I got a question for you. What's up? What would you give your What would you give yourself for your 2K rating? What's your 2K rating? My 2K rating? Ooh. 48. <laughs> You're giving yourself a 48? I am really bad at basketball. My finishing is a D or an F. My outside shooting is basically a zero. I take those underhand shots. Yeah. Uh, I can defend a little bit. I wish I was as self-effacing as you were. Uh, what would you give yourself? 86. What would Courtney give you? Huh? What would Courtney, your daughter, give you? Um, she'd probably give me an 88. Oh, no, she would not. <laughs> <laughs>
looks really bad, but maybe accurately reflects what's going on. But in terms of, yeah, he shouldn't be close to Trey Young. I would give him an 81. Yeah, that's about right. I think that's about right. Fave is at 79. That feels low. a little low that's for low. me. I give him like uh, an 81, 82. Joe Ingles is also a 79. That's about right. Okay. What's his shooting? I don't know. His shooting's got. We don't know like these things. That's what great. I'm saying. Yeah, his shooting should be a, you know an A A level shooter. Rudy should be a ninety. Rudy's an eighty-seven. He, he sh- should be a ninety. Okay. Donovan should be about an eighty. See, that's the thing. Like the Jazz have these players like Ricky, like Rudy, who have big holes in their game, so to speak. You know, and I don't think they're really holes, but you know what I mean. Like in terms of the ratings in NBA Two K, uh, you give Rudy a a fifty on shooting. You know what I mean. You give Ricky Rubio a, a seventy on shooting. Um, because you know Rudy Gobert can't take jump shots right now, um, that means that his average maybe goes down when even though he's a 97 rim protector and a 97 rebounder and a 97 well, but his roller. Dunk and all should this be a 97. His, his rebound should be like a 90. No, it should be about a 90. He's a he, terrific finisher. They t- yeah, he's a good dunker. His rebound should be about a 95. He's not like Amari Stoudemire out there. You know what I mean? Like big man dunker. You get that ball anywhere near the rim, he's either dunking it or he's, or he's getting fouled. Or if he catches it, he gets bumped off the ball and ends up taking a weird layup and then it misses. I don't but see that that much. That happens. Life. That that we talked about that a lot in the Houston series. That happened in the Oklahoma City series. You'll remember the first quarter of Game Six, uh, where he missed a couple of easy layups just because he did get kind of bumped around the rim. Rudy does need to get like a little bit stronger with the ball and doesn't always dunk it. Sometimes he does lay it up. But anyway. I would I would give Rudy a ninety. Okay, I, I I think Rudy is deserving of a ninety. I'm just saying maybe this is why it is the way that it is. We can complain about it or we can explain it or, or actually we're doing both. So uh, I'm complaining about Ru- Rudy's NBA 2K rating. I think it's low. And Ricky's 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 is Ricky's is too. Ricky yeah. should be offended. <laughs> Ricky, should. Ricky should go in there claiming. Ricky I don't know. should be like me and Trey Young are the same guy. The Spanish. Embassy should go in and complain on behalf of Ricky Rubio's rating because that's like an international incident. <laughs> this is an international uh, assault on what Ricky Rubio should be. Anyway, welcome into the weekly run with Andy Larson and Tony um, Jones. Tony Jones, the uh, Salt Lake Tribune Utah Jazz podcast. Uh, we're searching for material out there because we are not searching for material. Stop, bad star Andy. We are not searching. Right, we I'll have plenty that. of material. Don't we're, edit it out. We have. <laughs> we have plenty of material. Tony wants you to know. Actually, we do have like five or six things that we want to talk about yes, real quick in today's podcast. Absolutely. So, um, you know, yeah, we're, this is we're the digging NBA. into it. Yeah, that's true. This is the NBA. It's a year-round sport. This is the league that never sleeps. Now I am going on vacation for ten days, starting tomorrow, and no one's going to notice. Everybody's going to notice because I don't know how to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, no one's so there's going to be no podcast next week. No one's going to notice a thing. Anyway, um, we do actually have a lot of topics we want to hit on on the show. Um, we talked about NBA 2K ratings. We've got some news from Adrian Wojnarowski. Actually, two bits of news over the last two days. The, the Phoenix and Houston trade uh, consummated last night. And uh, the news that Justin Zanuck will be a member of, or a, a candidate of the Philadelphia 76ers GM job. And then we also wanted to talk about uh, the the legacy of Manu Ginobili and what he meant to the NBA. 
And then the purple jerseys that we saw in NBA Live 2019, the throwback jerseys that are going to be one of Utah's six different jerseys this season. So Don't play NBA Live. The graphics are trash. Ricky Rubio is probably ha rated higher than a 77, though. Ricky Rubio is going to be like Ricky an NBA Live stand. <laughs> Ricky Rubio's family is going to be playing NBA Live nonstop. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Should we talk about the trade? Yeah, I think we should talk about the trade. I mean, okay. uh, you know, I, I think it affects the Jazz guy. I, do. I think it affects the Jazz two ways because, A, you know, I think the debate is, does this put Houston further away from the Jazz or does it move, move Houston closer to the Jazz or does it move Houston closer to Golden State or does it move, move Houston closer to, to, to Utah OKC? Are you saying it doesn't move them? Doesn't make them better or worse? Doesn't make them better or worse. <laughs> I was surprised that they gave up DeAnthony Melton. Yeah, I was. I was definitely surprised. I think that kid is going to be good. He was really good in summer league, and if he, that jump shot comes around, he's got a chance to be a pretty good player in this league. The trade, in case you missed it, was Ryan Anderson and DeAnthony Melton from Houston to the Phoenix Suns in exchange for Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris, the uh, former number eight pick in the draft. Uh, who I whiffed on. Who you loved and has that, been a very bad NBA player. That was a big whiff on uh, yeah, my part. I, I don't think Marquise is good. Marquise Chris is good, and I, you know, from a Houston perspective, I don't think they should be counting on him for anything. Uh, and, you know, obviously the biggest reason that the Rockets did this deal was to dump Brian Anderson's contract, where he was owed $21 right. million dollars over the next, uh, each year for the next two years. Well, here's a couple of layers to this. The... I saw a series, uh, 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 an exchange of tweets that completely encapsulates Marquise Chris's NBA career at this point. Um, good friend of the show, Keith Smith yep. from out in Boston, uh, tweeted that uh, a source told him um, that uh, Marquise Chris would be good for Houston because all that Houston will ask him to do is run the floor, play defense, and score near the basket, and there was a response, which which is actually a perfect response, from a Phoenix fan that said, uh, that's going to be a big change from uh, his days in Phoenix when the Suns asked him to run the floor, play defense, <laughs> and score close right. to the basket. Right. Um, meaning, basically... Marquise Chris has not been very good at his job yeah, at this point. Agreed. Marquise Chris isn't a good player, and I think you know if they're counting on him, I think that's a mistake. Um, he has been decent on switches, and so I think he has a better chance at competing defensively in Houston's system than he did in Phoenix's system, uh, especially given the coaching up and downs that they've had there. Uh, I, you know, I think if you just allow Marquise Chris to switch on someone, I think he has a chance. Uh, if he has to play team defense or run through pick and rolls or any of that, he is a one of the worst players in the league. Um, let me ask you this. How would you rank the four players in the deal in terms of what they will contribute on the court next season? We're talking about completely next season. Yes. I would go... That's a really good question. Okay, so Ryan Anderson is probably going to be Phoenix's starting point. Power forward, which was reported by Woj last which night, was and reported by Woj shocks me because they have T.J. Warren and Josh Jackson at, uh, at those forward spots. To me, I think and Trevor Ariza and Trevor Ariza, who presumably signed a fifteen million dollar deal, so he would be a starter as well. Um, 
I, but I think Brandon Knight could actually be good for Houston. Like, I think he could be good as yeah. a, a third ball handling guard, and 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 he's he's good in isolation, which is what Houston does. And I think that he's a guy who can, uh, against at least against second units, he could take possessions, give Chris Paul and James Harden possessions off, and him and Eric Gordon could be better against second units than Houston was against second units because, especially in the regular season, Chris Paul and James Harden had way too much uh, usage and they had, you know, there, there was just too much, too much of a load on them. And I, I think Brandon can kind of ease that load a little bit. I think, you know, obviously Eric Gordon's their third guard and will continue to be. If you look at what Brandon Knight did two years ago, remember he missed all of last season with an ACL tear. Uh... Two seasons ago, he was awful. I mean, he was straight-up awful for the Phoenix Suns in terms of not only was he not competing on the defensive end, but he wasn't doing a lot on the offensive end either. He was very inefficient, wasn't making his shots, that kind of thing. Now, we've seen good play from Brandon Knight as what earned him a $70 million contract three mm-hmm. seasons ago. But And if he can return to that, that's great. I'm worried that he's become basically uh, what happened with Eric Bledsoe when he was in Phoenix where right. I think he got worse I think he got lazy and then when he t- went to the Milwaukee Bucks in the middle of the season he it, the the switch didn't flip like he thought it would he was institutionalized yeah a little bit and I'm worried that that's <laughs> the case with Brandon Knight too I worry about Brandon Knight's explosion I worry that yeah. he's that he's lost that first step that made him good in the first place I think that's fair and you know I I I I'm I from a Phoenix point of view, I wish they wouldn't have given up a first-round pick in order to give him, especially the first-round pick they did give up. Right. Um, now I, I don't really believe in either Brandon Knight or Marquise Chris being like huge, impact, hugely impactful players for for the, the Rockets. The thing season. that the thing that people are, I just think people are missing the forest through the trees with the Rockets. The thing that made them great last year was not their offense; it was their defense. Mm. That's what made them great. You know, one if you have James Harden and you have Chris Paul, you're going to score points. That's a given. No matter what. Yeah. You're gonna score points. It doesn't matter. What put them in the realm of being able to take Golden State to seven games and probably should have beaten them was the fact that they were terrific defensively. They were a terrific switching team. They had a bunch of light they had a bunch of uh uh like sized bodies. And Clint Capella was great, and and I just think that they've lost, um, they've lost a modicum of that. Yeah, and and kind of by committing to more bad defensive players, I think yeah. you can get away. You know, James Harden made some strides last year, but you can get away with James Harden in your lineup because you do have Trevor Ariza and Gerald Green, and you know, and you know, obviously Clint Capella, some of these good defenders, Luke Bamute. Now they've lost a lot of those. It's gonna guys. be it's gonna now be they, harder to hide. Hard, it's gonna be harder to hide Harden this year. Right, um, much harder. So I, I I don't know that, and honestly, I think they used Ryan Anderson a little bit in the regular season. Obviously, not at all in the playoffs. Right. But, you know, I, again, that's probably what matters for Houston at this point. Um, I thought the Anthony Melton showed a lot of potential in summer league, especially defensively, and especially defensively. And I think he could have been a yeah. Patrick Beverly type yeah. for them. Maybe not next season, but in the long in the long. I, I thought I thought I thought Melton had a chance to contribute next season. Yeah, I I, I really I did. I really really did. I thought he had a chance. I'm I'm surprised that Houston gave him up because I thought he absolutely had a chance to become a 
a rotational piece. But, I mean, this is the cost of getting off a Rhino's contract, right. which was one of the three worst in the league. And, you know, you look at, you look at Ryan Anderson, and Woj also reported this, he agreed to lower his guaranteed amount from $21 million to $15 million. Um, so that which is weird. Which is weird. So that so that Phoenix so that the deal could go through. Um, I, I honestly I think that's giving Phoenix an incentive to waive him next year. I was trying to yeah. figure that out. Like, why is well, Ryan you wave him giving you, up five million dollars? You wave year? him and you stretch him because you he probably doesn't want to be a part of the the Phoenix Suns beyond this season. Right. And so if you give him give them an incentive to waive him rather than the full, you know, if, if you have to pay the full contract no matter what, you might as well keep him on your roster all season long. Why are you committing to starting him at the four? I don't get that at all. When you have Trevor Reason and you have TJ Warren you think and you that have was, Josh Jackson. Do you think that was a real commitment or do you think that was Woj carrying water for Rhino's agent? Well, I mean, I, I don't think Woj would tweet something like that unless he got that that bit of information from the organization. I don't think so. You may, I mean, okay, maybe from Ryan McDonough. Right. I, I mean, honestly, though, that's that's Igor Kokoshkov's call. That shouldn't be Ryan, Ryan McDonough's call. That should be Igor's call whether or not Trevor Ariza or Josh Jackson or Ryan Anderson or TJ Warren starts. Well, you could, what you could do, and because they have no point guard. You're gonna start. Who's gonna start at the point? You can start Devin Booker at the one. Okay. You can start Josh Jackson at the two. You can start Trevor Rees at the three, and you can start Ryan O at the four, <laughs> and then you can bring T.J. Warren off the bench as. But if you're gonna start Devin Booker at the one, you darn well sure better have a point forward in that rotation so that you can play Trevor. I mean, so that you can play Devin off the ball and run him off of screens and stuff and alleviate him of some of the ball handling duties. Yeah. And there are no point forwards on that roster. Phoenix is a bad team. And, and so if you are a bad team, you shouldn't be prioritizing what Ryan Anderson's feelings are. Right? You, you wouldn't start, Ryan? No. <laughs> I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. And on 95% uh, of the teams in the league, I wouldn't. What's the, what's the incentive of Phoenix taking on that contract? Uh, to get DeAnthony Melton. Okay. I think, you know, he's the best prospect out of the four. I think if you put DeAnthony Melton next to Devin Booker, you can have a really good backcourt. It could back be court. good, yeah. If DeAnthony Melton becomes, has, you know, shows what he, we thought he could be, yeah, that would be a very good backcourt. I'm, I'm definitely, good I'm definitely on the DeAnthony Melton train. Yeah. Because I, I, I thought that he was, I thought he would had a chance to be good um, for Houston. He's a superior athlete. He's a superior defender. He's a good ball handler. He's a good passer. He just has to get a shot down. Yeah. I think the deal for Houston, it's a good deal because they didn't have to give up a first-round draft pick to dump uh, to dump Ryan Anderson. It's a great deal for Houston. But you got Ryan Anderson off your roster. They did not get better for next season. Yeah. Let's end it like that. I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm, I'm so disappointed in Marquise Chris. Yeah, because you were you were standing for him pretty hard in, when he uh, oh, yes. was drafted. This is, listen, for everybody out there that gave me all the credit in the world for, for hitting on Kyle Kuzma, um, this, is, this was a, a whiff equally in the other, way, in the other direction. Yeah, I, I, I actually don't think I liked either guy because um, I'm a pessimist. <laughs> but <laughs> I, saw, I saw Marquise Chris and thought J.J. Hickson a little bit. Um, Good Lord, I saw Marquise Chris and I was like, man, 
He's got 40-inch verts. He can shoot the basketball. He's athletic. I didn't realize that he did not play hard. It's a red flag that you have Marquise Chris and you have DeJounte Murray, and you know, and you're in a bad Pac-12, and you only go to the NIT if you're Washington. I should have taken that as a red flag uh, as well. Um, two guys with that kind of talent, and you know, and obviously DeJounte goes to a really stable, great organization. So, and did really well. That's not right. the case with Phoenix, obviously. So, I guess Marquise Chris still has potential, but yeah, I'm. I'm uh... I'm pretty out on his NBA career. Uh, I did think Dragon Bender would be better than he's been, for what it's worth. I did, too. Uh, not everybody can be Chris Stapps, though. Not everyone can be Chris Stapps. Uh, I thought he might be more memo-y than he, even, you know, even just more effective as a shooter. He's not even an NBA player. Right now, no. He's no, got to he's he's, be better. He's not. Also, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Utah Jazz assistant general manager Justin Zanuck is one of three candidates for the Philadelphia 76ers GM search, along with Houston's Gerson Rojas and uh, Golden State's Larry Harris. Do you have any thoughts on Justin Zanuck being a, Jay-Z being a, a candidate for this job? I think he'd be a natural candidate, and I think he'd be great at it, and I think that he deserves um, a chance to, to be the GM of a franchise. Yeah. I was very sad at the turn of events that happened for him in Milwaukee. Right, um, you know, he was kind of the GM in waiting there, yeah, right? He was, the was kind of hired to be the GM, and then ownership changed his mind, or really there were factions in ownership right. um, that that stopped that from happening. But it seems like he's been on the cusp of being that general manager for for a while now, and if he does get that Philadelphia job, that's one of the best GM spots in the league, I think. And the Jazz will be okay because they have David Morey. Um, yeah, David along, Morway. Yeah, the Dave, David Morway to go on, to go along with Dennis Lindsay, and, and um, also you know yeah. Kevin O'Connor honestly is still Kevin giving advice. So yeah. you've got three former general managers right. in your organization, or I guess you know Dennis Lindsay's the current general manager, but three guys with GM experience. Um, right now they've got four. I, I think the Jazz will be fine either way. You know certainly they showed that the organization is probably going to be okay if because Jay Z was gone for that year, but you know obviously that would be. Uh, He'd be missed. He'd now the question is, do you, how, how much do you miss him come free agency time right. next season? Because they're going to try to be on the market. They're going to try to hit the market hard next year and, and try to bring in a coup. And, 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 and Justin's uh, contacts and his relationships uh, from, you know, with players as a former player agent, um, you know, that – that kind of stuff helps. As That's, well, I would say also in the trade market with his relationships right. with other general managers around the league, I think that that makes a big difference. So, um, yeah, I think that stuff helps. And so I think if you're if you're a Jazz fan, as selfish as it might be, you, you're kind of hoping for him to stay, um, but you totally understand and you want the best for the people in the organization to to be able to be promoted. And you know, you're you're happy that you have successful people around. Right, and and success so breeds success, and 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 for for years. You know, one of the calling cards for the Spurs is, like, if you're a front office candidate or if you're, you know, a premier front office prospect, you want to work for the Spurs because guess what? They're going to get you to the next level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're seeing some of the fruits of that kind of success in, in Utah. You know, when you see Igor Kokoskov get the head coaching job in Phoenix, yep. if, if Jay-Z gets the, the GM job, and in Philly, then all of a sudden you're carving yourself out a Dennis Lindsay slash Quinn Snyder 
tree. Right. And and that's what you want because you want the best prospects to come in, uh, um, you know, so you can get those guys to the next level. And and I can't imagine uh, that that uh, Johnny Bryant, somebody like Johnny Bryant, uh, uh, can or Alex Jensen would sure. actually be that far behind. Uh, on the coaching tree. Agreed. Yeah, and you know, so you're excited to, and again, then you have those relationships around the league that you can leverage come trade deadline or the, the draft day when you want to know kind of what's happening. Having more resources around the league is only a good thing for the Jazz. So that's a good thing. Uh, you see those purple jerseys that uh, were in the NBA Live 19 game? No, because I don't play NBA Live. I play NBA. You games. saw the video. Stop okay, it. I saw the you're video. on Twitter. What do you think about the purple jerseys? They're cute. They're cute. Yes. You would you do you wish they would have had the mountain purple jersey instead of the, it's kind of basically what the Jazz have now, but the purple jerseys. That, I like them um, from like the nineteen eighties, basically. No, I like them. I mean, I, you, listen, I, I think part of you know being a Jazz fan is is you know for a Jazz fan having the, the nostalgia. Yeah. And you know, and I think that the nostalgia, the, knowing where you've come from, uh, helps you to know where you're going, and you know. Do you think the nostalgia is stronger for the '80s jazz than it is kind of the mountain jersey and the Karl Malone '97, '98? No, jazz? I think I think the mountain jerseys are the stronger nostalgia, especially with this generation, the yeah. generation that's more likely to be playing these video games. I mean, those are the guys that were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old in 1997. Right, right, right. If you were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old in 1987 or 1985. You're a lot less likely to be playing NBA 2K. Yeah, Tony. I play NBA 2K. <laughs> How old were you in 1987? 1987. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I was, let's, let's put it, I was in between the range of 5 and 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm just wondering if you were speaking from experience here or what. We're not only talking about these jerseys because they're an NBA Live. These w will be one of the six jerseys that the Jazz, that the wear, Jazz will wear next year. Yes. Um, do you like that there are six different kinds of jerseys? I mean, it's becoming it. kind of organy, right? Love Where it. like every you wear a different jersey. Every I love game. it as love a it. as an NBA reporter. I love it. There are eighty two games. I don't want to see eighty two games of people in the same jersey or or two jer two two jerseys. Yeah. Like I, I think that the the Jazz marketing team did a tremendous job last year of marketing. These jerseys, like, yo, we're going to break out the City Edition for the Golden State game. And we're going to break out the City Edition court for, you know, right. whatever. And, and I think, I thought it was great. I thought they did uh, a really good job of engaging the fan base um, and, and marketing, you know, some of the, the newness to the, to, to, the, to the fan base. I agree with that. Now they really messed up by not having jerseys for sale once they, you know, did such a good job of marketing the city jerseys. That could but, have come in handy. Uh, you know, hey, they also made a few extra hundred thousand dollars for Chinese knockoff manufacturers, so whatever. Um, I'm trying to find out, by the way, when they'll have new city jerseys in store. We'll have some sort of update for you on that next week. Um, yeah, I, I'm. for me, six jerseys is a lot, you know, um, but I think they have done a good job with the first four of kind of differentiating them uh, from anything that's happened before and kind of uh, what that look is still with, and, and I think they're very good jerseys. I haven't seen the Christmas Day one yet. Um, I've heard that it's green, but I don't know that for sure. Um, 
but I'm, you know, it kind of depends. If, if if all six jerseys look good, then I don't think it's a big problem. Well, the other thing that I think, you know, you have a superstar um, who's making a really big effort to link the past with his present. Right. I mean, you had Carl, you you had Donovan Mitchell wearing a Carl Malone jersey in summer league, mm-hmm. and you had Carl Malone, and, and and Donovan Mitchell has done a better job of anyone at getting Carl Malone out of his shell. That's a good point. <laughs> you got Carl Malone to watch jazz games, which, you know, yeah. was not something he honestly did. You got Carl Malone to tweet. You got him to, yeah. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell got Carl Malone to tweet. Like, that's like. And we've seen his cell phone. That's hard. He's probably doing hard. an old T9 texting on yeah. that to make, to send out that tweet. I mean, his phone is older than a Blackberry. <laughs> it is older than a Blackberry. It's just a flip phone. Yeah. It's like one of those old Nokias that you can play Snake on. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think, I think, you know, this, it's just another layer of what Donovan's bought, uh, his, his ability to, ga- to engage the stars of yesteryear uh, to, to what he's doing. And I think that the Jazz organization is kind of following, following suit, and I, I, think it's, I think it's a great thing. Because I think there was a real detachment for years and years and years uh, between Carl Malone, John Stockton, and the current, the current Jazz players. Not a detachment. Uh, not a, not a literal detachment, but just kind of a a detachment of you know those g- the guys weren't really supporting each other. Yeah. If you know what I mean? And I think Donovan Mitchell is is kind of kind of infused that a little bit. Yeah, and I think you know the biggest factor there is success. Like I don't think that you know John Stockton really wanted to be associated with John Lucas III, or you know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> or vice versa. There's just no one putting those those two players in in the same sentence other than me for the first time just now um with donovan mitchell and this jazz group you kind of get the feeling that they could be doing something special like the stockton and malone jazz did and i think uh it makes it easier to draw those comparisons be over different timelines and you know like give you a, a reason to have a throwback jersey a little bit um anyway let's talk about manu um, Manu Ginobili announced his retirement from the San Antonio Spurs and the NBA this week. Obviously, it was tremendously meaningful for basketball overall. Um, one of the most successful and talented international basketball players to ever play the game. Um, what were your thoughts when you heard he was he was going to be retiring? I was sad because that's the last link of the big three in San yeah. Antonio. Um, you know, but I understood. I mean, he didn't want to be the only one there. I mean, yeah. You know, Duncan's retired. Tony Parker got you went to Charlotte, moved on. I mean, it was it was time. I think Manu is one of the three best six men ever to play the game. Um, I think he's uh, one of the the five or ten best international players ever to play the game at the Olympic level. Um, I think at the NBA level. Right, and then I'm just talking about in terms of what he did for Argentina, okay, yeah. uh, especially in that 2004 Olympics. Um, that was that was one of the greatest um, accomplishments yeah. in basketball history. Performances for sure. To- Performances, yes, and you know I just think that he's a tremendous ambassador for the game of basketball. He's a a, a cinch first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, I, I can't say enough about him. And the way he carried himself, um, he revolutionized the game in terms of bringing the Euro step to the NBA. Now, you know the Euro step is 
is is so widely so widely used. But I mean, it was Manu and it was Dwayne Wade. Those are the first two guys that were that were doing the Eurostep. Um, and and I, I just think that he's he's a tremendous uh, player, tremendous ambassador for the game. And uh, I wish him a happy and healthy retirement. And, and he deserves every accolade that comes his way. Yeah, I think he, I think he was in many ways very I don't know about revolutionary, but evolutionary in terms in terms of kind of the uh, individual. I, I really do think that he really popularized the Euro step or introduced it in a big way to the NBA. Certainly wasn't the first player to ever Euro step, but who was the first player to Euro step? I, so I was watching these, you know, like NBA hardwood classics and, and on NBA TV, and, and guys, I, they didn't call it the Euro step then. Um, and you know, heck, Manu Ginobili's not European, right? So like that, it's called the Euro step should be a sign that it's not from Manu Ginobili, but he absolutely did it more often than anybody else. Um, mm. People were doing kind of the big, you know, exaggerated steps before Manu. Um, in the Eurostep fashion, but I, 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 you know, certainly not as frequently. It wasn't used as often or done as well as Manu Ginobili uh, mm-hmm. did it. I'd also say the same is true a little bit with flopping. <laughs> uh, I think he he was flopalicious. Did that pretty successfully, maybe more successfully than anyone else did in the NBA. Maybe uh, Dwayne Wade took some lessons a little bit there, um, and uh, you know that sounds. Negative, but I, I think it was just kind of a reflection of Nobi's will to win and his creativity to get it done. As it, you know, certainly not the most athletic guy on the court. He was pretty athletic. He was pretty athletic. I I, I don't want to take that away from him. Uh, this is what I don't want to see. I, I, this is what I want to see. I want to see Mano Ginobili um, uh, praised. I want to see him garner all the accolades that he deserves. I don't ever want to see him and Dirk Nowitzki mentioned in the same breath. I think it's fair to mention them in the same breath. It is not fair to mention them in the same breath. They are both top five international players ever. Okay. They are, Dirk Nowitzki is a better NBA player. You know, Dirk Nowitzki is probably a top 25 NBA player all time. And Manu is probably... Top 70. Yeah. Okay. Right, they're they're very different players. There's a glacier both... size sure. difference between their their abilities. Uh, okay, yeah, I mean, I, I'm fine with that. My, I, I, Manu was a third option. Yeah, I look. I I don't think it's I I I don't think people who say that Manu should be respected or loved or any of that, uh, Dirk is better. There's no question about it. I in my mind anyway, I I don't think it's hugely embarrassing to compare Dirk to Manu. I think it is. I think Dirk would take that. Like, Nah. You compare Dirk to KG and Duncan and and, and okay. Malone. Okay, but they're all big. You know, you know, like, it's it's a different category. I, in terms of, like, international players all time, you know, I, I think they're... Okay, they're but if fine. you say international players all time, I mean, then you're saying, you know, Oscar Schmidt and Dirk Nowitzki and Manu Ginobili mm-hmm. and... And the Gasol the brothers, and, yeah. you know, you, I mean, it's a different realm. I mean, these Agreed. people on Twitter were comparing them as NBA players. That's where, no. You're not having it. No. Okay. At all. Dirk, Dirk was a far better NBA Dirk's player. Better. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any question. I mean, okay. Clearly there is question because people on Twitter are saying it. I agree completely with you that there is a gap there. Um, 
speaking of comparisons, Rudy Gobert and Dwight Howard. Okay, let's Prime. <clears throat> Num- the number one question I have, Rudy Gobert just turned 26. Is he in his prime? Yeah, probably. Is he? You don't hit your primes at 27. Okay. He's... You'd say your prime is from 26 to 29, 26 to 30, something like that. Nah, right now it's probably like 27 to Can 32. Rudy Gobert get better? Yes. Is he pretty close to his prime also? Yes. He's pretty close to his prime. Okay, but regardless, your, your Rudy versus uh, Dwight comparison. Okay. Um, let's, let's, let's go. How big of a Rudy... Rudy guy am I in terms of how much uh, I value him. I think he's one of the top ten players in the league in terms of impact, mm-hmm. in terms of overall impact. He was not Dwight Howard in his prime. Yeah, I, I, and we should we should make this explicit. This is Andy Bailey's argument. Um, Shout out to of, Andy. Instead of subtweeting him, let's just say it. This is Andy Bailey's argument on Twitter. He wrote this article on SLC Dunk yesterday about this, basically saying Prime Dwight and Rudy Gobert currently are have – Similar impact, and if if not, are you know the same kind of player? You could say even Rudy Gobert is more efficient than Dwight Howard. Dwight um, Howard in his prime was the best defensive player in the league by a mile. Yeah, and one of the top five offensive players in the league. Yeah, he won three Defensive Player of the Year awards in a row. Yes, um, and carried a Orlando Magic team that otherwise I think was pretty iffy. You know, honestly, you... That starting lineup was Jameer Nelson. Hedo uh, Turkoglu. Hedo Turkoglu. Rashad Lewis, who was still pretty good. Yep. Courtney and, Lee, right? I think it was Courtney Lee. I mean, I, I know Courtney Lee was in that rotation. I'm trying to figure out whether it was Courtney Lee or Mikael Petras that yeah, was the yep. starting shooting guard. Therefore, and, and Jameer Nelson, who was playing at an all-star level that year, he made the All-Star team that year. He did? In 2009, I believe. I'm shocked at that. We're going to look this up and see if my memory was correct. He Either 2009 or 2010, Jameer Nelson made an All-Star team. Wow. All right, go ahead. So, but the, the, the crux of this argument, Jameer Nelson got hurt. He did. And uh, in that season, the championship season, he made the All-Star team, but then, yes, got hurt. Uh, only played 42 games that season. And Rafer Austin was the starting point guard. So in effect, Dwight Howard carried the team to a to to the finals with Skip the Malu as a starting point guard. Right. And it, again, you look at that team that should not be a good defensive team. And it was a great and defensive team. It was a great team. defensive team. It was the best defensive team in the league because of, of Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. Uh, Rudy Gobert has that same impact on the defensive end. Not on offense. On offense, uh, he has a good impact, but he's not I mean, he's not carrying you offensively yeah. like Dwight Howard did. And Dwight really did carry them on both ends. Yes. Now, I do think that the league has changed somewhat that, like, I don't know that Dwight then could have the same impact that uh, he had. You know, if you put 2009 Dwight into 2018 NBA, I think his impact would be somewhat lessened. I don't agree, and I'll tell you okay. why. Because that Orlando Magic team played... A very modern style of ball. Played... Like, they played this type of basketball. That's true. Rashad Lewis That's a good was the starting power forward. He shot threes. Hedo Turkoglu shot threes. Courtney Lee and Mikel Petrich, they shot threes. They, they pick and roll. They started with pick and roll, and they worked off of that, and they shot threes. They shot all types of threes, which 
I'm shot because Stan Van Gundy was the coach. Yeah, well, he, uh, I don't want to say he invented that kind of offense, but he really figured out, hey, let's put Dwight in the middle, four three-point shooters around him and right. make it work. Uh, and maybe that's maybe we should give more credit to Stan for that kind of leading the way uh, offensively and figuring out that that system works as well as it did. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there's, I, to me, Rudy Gobert still has – work to do to get to where prime Dwight Howard was prime Dwight Howard was one of the top three players in that league yeah I agree it and, was it was and, him LeBron James and Chris Paul I think. yeah I mean he was just and Kobe Bryant so okay he uh, he fell off a cliff around 2012 yes but I mean for those three four three to five years I mean he was those three to five years put him in the Hall of Fame yeah. Let's let's just put, let's just put it out there. I mean, those five years where he was in his prime before the back issues that put him in the Hall of Fame. And there's nothing that can take a, take away uh, his Hall of Fame resume right now. And let's just put it this way: he was so good, he was so good that he's a fraction of his former self, and he's still an easy double double guy. Yeah, I mean, he had a 30-30 and 30 game last year. And I, I don't think Dwight Howard is a particularly good player right now because you know, that's one of the reasons why no one in the league wants him. Uh, I think he's a good player, but the, nobody wants him because he's a headache. Right, I, I agree. If he, you know, if he were a good locker room guy, he would He could play until he's 40. Yeah. Uh, but you're totally right that those six, he was a six-time All-Star. Those six years made him a no-question Hall of Famer. Yes, Yes, um, and you know, really carrying the Orlando Magic to that 0-9. So here's the thing: I think Rudy Gobert, I think Rudy Gobert is going to have the better career. Okay. Because I think he's going to last longer. Uh, I think that he's going to last, um, barring injury, because that's what really took the white out. Right. Um, that degenerative disc in his back. Um, you know, barring it, if he stays healthy, he's going to have a better career as a def- as a as as an elite defender, um, and, and I think that he's a better locker room guy. So his teams are going to have a lot more chemistry than Dwight's team. So, well. yeah. Although you know, really, I think early Dwight was a good locker room guy. You know, on like, or at least he wasn't before. Really, he asked for the trade out of Orlando. I think he was never right. a problem. Um, right. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think if let's put it, if if Rudy Gobert has Dwight Howard's career, I think that would be. If he's a six-time All-Star when it's all said and done, that would be pretty. That's a pretty. Do you good think he can be a six-time All-Star? Yeah. Or do you? So, I think he has a chance to be an All-Star this year okay. because I think that his resume has built up to the point where I think that people are going to try to find ways to get him in the All-Star game. Yeah, it's hard though because the forward spot in the Western Conference is so hard, and you know you just added LeBron James. Yeah. But he's a center. But it's front court. It's, it's front, front court, court, back court. I, I think this. The the best way for the Jazz to get an All Star this year is to be top four in the West. Agreed. But you have to be top four in the West when All Star balloting is happening. Right. Exactly. And we both know that the early season schedule for the Jazz is much harder than their late season schedule. Right. So I could see something happening like last year, not as dramatic. But you know, you start the season slow. You end up at the end of November with a 500 record. Honestly, yeah. with some of their with the number of road games they have, that would set you up well for the rest of the season. Right, exactly. Um, but it doesn't 
impress the all-star voters to get you necessarily two all-stars like you you might hope for in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Right, right. Anyway. Um, but agreed. Dwight is Dwight was very good, and I think Andy Bailey is overusing um, win shares and, and those kind of metrics. You know me, I'm a stat guy 100%. Um, I think win shares, and especially when when uh, used in this way, I think are... are I, I, they don't tell the whole picture. I think they're they're really an imperfect metric and uh, and ditto with box plus minus and some of the other stats. You have to really look at the whole picture, um, and, and I don't think that I, I I don't I don't think that this really accurately represents uh, how good Dwight Howard was. Well, I think that people forgot how good Dwight Howard was. It was only nine years ago. We should all remember. Yeah, well, I think people forgot how good Dirk Nowitzki was to actually compare him to Manu Ginobili. <laughs> I mean, they they were had the same career length, right? They were, anyway, they've I, both I've, been 20-year guys. I think people, I think recency bias is real, and I think that, yeah. um, I think that it's when you, especially when you see a guy every day, like we still see Dwight Howard every single day, I think it's hard to remember just how good that cat was yeah. when he was. That's a good point. When he was, when he was, when he was in his prime. I mean, he was that guy, man. He was, he was, he was a monster. Current Dwight Howard has made it harder to appreciate prime Dwight Howard. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's let's get out of here. Let's uh, finish out the podcast. But I told you guys that we had a lot we to, had talk a lot about. to talk about. We had to cover all these uh, issues that these arguments that Tony's been having on Twitter. Uh, Listen, that's the, that's the, that's this fun. is why I have my own podcast, or we have our own podcast. Yeah. Because, you know, when 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 I wake up in the morning and I'm eating my Cheerios. And you got I, things on your mind. And I got things on my mind. You got I'm like, to pick. Listen, I just write it down on my phone, <laughs> and I say, we're going to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah, hey, I love it. All right, well, that's another edition of the Weekly Run Podcast with the Salt Lake Tribune, Andy Larson, and Tony Jones. As always, you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, but for now, we're signing out. 